You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Chiefs Kingdom, take this as your official welcome into mock draft season. We've already welcomed you into draft season on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network with the draft room. But it's a whole nother season that is mock draft season. It's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole nother level of dedication from us AP riders following all the mock drafts, looking at them, and making some of our own. And that is the theme for today's podcast. Uh, first in the mock draft series, this is draft talk, by the way. I probably should have said that a little earlier. But uh, this is Ron, a lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. And today joining me on the inaugural episode is Rocky Magana. You guys know him from the AP post-game shows. Uh, him and Serta always do a good job of recapping the games. But it's the offseason now, and no one is as prepped for to talk about a mock draft right now as, as you are, Rocky. Uh, you, you did a great job deal, detailing one out on Twitter this week. I'm sure the people followed that along. But Rocky, what's up before we get into that? What's up, my friend? Oh, my gosh. I'm just happy to be here, man. I'm a bit of a mock draft nerd so this is like my christmas season you know just like i like it because when i play madden i spend half the time just simming through the games and just roster building you right know? so this is uh this is like you know your, your your chance to sit in brett beach's chair for a bit and tell him how he should fix his team dude that, that I, i'm the same way in madden for sure i mean i i, tr- I love i always try to play the games and then it just gets to the point where i really just want to get to the next off season let's see what we can do get better uh, and speaking of that, by the way, I, I, I think Madden can do a better job. I, I, I've always been a big NCAA football guy. I feel like their dynasty mode is oh, super good. Uh, Madden, I feel like their franchise mode could be a little better. I don't know. Rocky, am I, I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, I don't know. I, I, it gets a little old. I feel like it's kind of repetitive. Um, yeah. 100% on yeah. board with that. The, the, especially the old school NCAA that was on the original Xbox where you could create guys. But then Ooh. you didn't necessarily. Then you had to try to recruit your own guy you created. Yeah. And if your school sucked, then you would lose <laughs> out on yourself. Like I created myself as a quarterback when I was coaching KU, but I made myself awesome, and then I ended up going to like Notre Dame, and <laughs> and then losing to myself in a bowl game. Oh my god. Okay. Well, that's bad. Because yeah, you you always try to get the you know you put the hometown. It's like okay, he's from the hometown. I'll get the you know I'll get that advantage. Like no. Uh, he's too good. And then you don't want to make, you know, you obviously want to make him a certain level of good. You know, you're trying to have a starting quarterback here. Uh, you know, you can't make him too bad just so he goes to your school. Um, but for more uh, NCAA Dynasty talk, uh, we'll have a separate pod. Me and me and Rocky will get into that. But uh, no. So, yeah, as I said, no, this, this is just going to be all about mock draft season. I mean, the AP draft room, we're going to rotate a lot of guys around, but we're going to mainly just talk about the draft itself, but also just the process of the offseason, you know, all all encompassing pretty much. This really will be more just about, you know, where teams are taking guys in drafts, where the Chiefs or, you know, what players are in the Chiefs area, according to, you know, uh, consensus mock drafts, you know, the experts right now. Uh, 
But, you know, we got our own expert here right now with Rocky here. And, yeah, you put together a three-round mock, so we're going to get into that uh, right now, actually. And, you know, you went through – I believe you picked all for every team. Am I correct? I mean, you were you were going all the way through. But we want to we focus a little bit more on, on the Chiefs picks, right? We're Chiefs guys here. I don't know about you, Rocky. I'm still I'm 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 still in this like state of like this like fog phase from the end of the season. It is kind of a weird. And obviously, if you're on Chiefs Twitter today, it's been kind of a weird day. Um, you know, this, we're recording this on Thursday, but uh, we're Chiefs guys. We're Chiefs picks, Rocky. When you first came into this mock, before we get into the specific picks, um, you know, uh, I guess what positions are you wanting to pick? You know, for the Chiefs, kind of, in, in what positions, like the first round, are you wanting a certain position? Are you wanting a certain type of player? Um, I guess just what are your overall thoughts when you were going into the, the mock draft from a Chiefs perspective, first of all? Yeah, going into the mock as a Chiefs perspe- from a Chiefs perspective, um, I think a lot of people, myself included, think that edge rusher is one of our biggest needs. Um, and it's also a premier position that's going to cost a lot of money in free agency. So I, I was really hoping um, to get one of the top end edge rushers to follow us. Um, when I was going through this draft process, um, I think other than that, then wide receivers kind of the, the fallback position as well, because, you know, we need that traditional outside X receiver that can beat the press man coverage. Um, and then thirdly, if neither one of those were going to be there, then, you know, our, um, our good friend, Christian Gumminger, like he says, go with the blue chipper, you know, go with the blue <laughs> chip guy that you can, uh, that you can trust, you know. So then it was just going to be best available was kind yeah. of the idea. So we're going, going with the need, and then if need if the pockets of the need were, were exhausted, then go best available. I'm with you on the needs. I'm sure a lot of Chiefs Kingdom is, um, you know, uh, I think edge rusher, just pass rusher in general, even if it is an interior guy, honestly. I mean, it, it really is just important um, in the draft, and it's really hard to find guys at pass rusher that are going to be truly good, you know, legitimate guys, you know, past the first round at times. But you went another route in this mock draft, and that's where we'll kick off here at number 30. A, a, a guy that, that I, you know, sometimes you see him kind of closer to the top of these mock drafts, but we're really going to see, uh, you know, it, it's going to depend on kind of how the offseason goes for him. But Drake London, the wide receiver from USC, was your first pick. Um, you took him, and, and I will say, you know, a couple a couple uh, guys went right before him that could have been potential cheese picks at receiver two. Uh, I'm a big Garrett Wilson guy. He went to at 27. Jahan Dotson went a, a, a pick before. Uh, I should. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get better at saying what what university every player went to. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State receiver, Penn State receiver is Jahan Dotson. But Drake London, Rocky. When you make that pick, you got to be a little excited, right? Well, what were your feelings uh, making that selection as a Chiefs? You know, I had I had mixed emotions um, when I made that selection because. You know, I had Drake London as my number two wide receiver behind Garrett Wilson. Um, but then I really had my heart set on Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State. I thought that he would just be an amazing fit for the Chiefs. And I think that he's kind of a next level type of player. Um, and when Green Bay took him at 28, and my heart sunk a little bit, you know. <laughs> so um, and so with Drake London, though, he's I think he's almost as good of a root runner as Garrett Wilson, but he's five inches taller. Um, he's a guy who, who if he falls to the Chiefs and he's there at 30 like he is in my mock draft, it's because he was injured. Um, he broke his ankle back in October. He only played eight games this year, but in those eight games, he put up over 1,000 yards. He's a big play, big threat guy, wins the 50-50 ball um, almost every single time. 
can play the X receiver or he can play in the slot. Um, it's it's interesting for such a big guy. He creates a lot of separation because he has a strong plant foot out of his breaks and he and he's able to lose a lot of cornerbacks coming out of his breaks on his roots um, in a way that you don't see a guy with his size do very often. No, you're right, man. He is he is special in terms of just like how he moves for his size. You know, one thing I thought thought was really interesting about him that I didn't know until, you know, actually just recently I was listening to a draft pod. He was playing basketball at USC for the first couple of years he was there. It was actually just this last year. It was the first time he's ever in his life completely had been able to focus on football, which is pretty, uh, you know, a, a special when you're talking about a guy being able to play at that high of a level, basketball and football, uh, and for multiple seasons too. So kind of tells you the athlete he is and, and that it is, it is a missing element the Chiefs don't have. You know, they have guys that can, you know, be versatile like he should be able to in terms of their positional alignment. But in terms of a guy that can also, you know, not only be a guy that can, you know, catch after the ball, you know, break you off on a route, but also, you know, make a contested catch. They, they've never really valued that, right? So it would be, it would be kind of cool to see them, you know, get someone that Mahomes can just throw up to, right, and, 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 and let him go get a jump ball in the red zone. I feel like they've tried, you know, Josh Gordon, I think, was an attempt maybe at doing that. Obviously, didn't work out too well. Um, yeah, Drake London might be that that chance to get kind of all encompassing, all those skills kind of in one thing. Yeah, but, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I think that that's something that Andy Reid has kind of learned and changed um, over the years. You know, because traditionally he likes those kind of six foot tall Garrett Wilson type of receivers, but I think the last couple of years we've seen him make an effort with like. Bring, keeping Jody Fortson on the roster this year, even though he was at tight end, they they lined him out wide a lot, you know, and bringing in Josh Gordon and trying to get Joju Smith-Schuster last offseason that he wants that he, – he sees the need for that bigger-bodied receiver that can, right. that can move the chains for him. Some other players, Rocky, you could have considered there – well, you, you probably were considering there um, at that number 30 position – one guy that went 32 to the Lions that we've been talking at AP about lately is uh, Daxton Hill, the safety from Michigan. Shout out my guy Talon Graff. He was on him early. Seems to be the kind of the consensus, maybe that first safety besides Kyle Hamilton on most draft boards, but you know, not completely. You know, there's other guys. Another option could have been Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State. He went early in the second round. Um, and then another guy that I I first got on it sounded like you you were a fan of him too as well rocky uh lewis seen any consideration for taking a safety at that number 30 spot instead of drake london 100 percent. it was like if i was gonna go safety in the first round it would have been daxon hill or lewis seen um personally i like lewis seen a little bit better than um daxton hill even though daxton hill is a little bit better athlete than seen I just think I like scenes attitude and I think he brings that kind of leadership swagger that may be missing in the secondary if Tyron Matthews not back there. But the main reason why, why I passed on is because this is such a deep safety draft that there's guys in round four, five and six who maybe I don't love quite as much as those two guys, but I like them quite a bit. I like them enough that I would plug them into my secondary and feel good about them having meaningful snaps early on. Um, so it's more because of the depth of the safety position in this draft than, than, than not liking the guys. Yeah. And I, I think when you got to, I think we talked about blue chips. I mean, I think Drake London qualifies for that. Um, I would, I have him, him and Garrett Wilson are in a, a, a tier by themselves, in my opinion, in this receiver class. Um, I know, and, and, and Traylon Burks is a guy that I know he, he has the, the skills or the, the size, I should say, 
you know, I think the skills need to be more refined. He could be someone that turns into the best guy in this class. Um, but I, I do worry a little bit about his immediate uh, being able to be just like a legitimate receiver just because of the way he was used at Arkansas. Um, but someone like Drake London, I just I don't know. It, it just feels like the the way he was used, he could still be used to an even further extent, um, you know, in the NFL, his versatility at his size. But another another receiver real quick, too, that I'm, I'm surprised uh, left out of the first round. Uh, Chris Olave, he went 36 to the Giants. You know, I'm not a huge Olave guy, honestly. I, I think he he's he kind of has to fit a certain role in the NFL. Um, but I don't know, Rocky. He's kind of more of a speed guy, kind of more of a route, you know, runner. Just kind of, you know, he's going to get open, but maybe not be more, you know, maybe not the bigger bodied guy, the physical guy that we've been talking about. I feel like with some of these receivers, do you give any consideration to going Chris Olave instead of Drake London? Honestly, zero consideration. Yeah, to go yeah. Chris Olave than Drake London. I think that. They're like you said, they're in separate classes. I think Drake London is head and shoulders the better wide receiver. And I think that we have a lot of guys like Chris Olave already on the roster. If I I project Chris Olave, he's gonna be a decent number two or three wide receiver who works pre- predominantly out of the slot and he has value to a team, but I don't think he's a difference maker. And if for any other reason than purely this where I, I, I chose Drake London, is that I want to hear Chris Collinsworth for the next 10 years use the same tired. He's using basketball skills out on the <laughs> field like he used to do with Tony Gonzalez every other oh, every other God. target, you know? So. That, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, you're right. They There's nothing more announcers love than a guy who used to play basketball or just any other sport, I guess, um, and bringing it out to talk about it during the broadcast. So that was your pick at 30. We talked about some guys that we might consider, but the Chiefs don't pick again until number 62 at the bottom of the second round, uh, you know, third to last spot in the second round. And this is where you would just address pass rusher, which is a good, which, you know, this, this guy is someone that I actually liked last year. I thought when he was going to come out last year, I thought he might be a potential pick. That is Myja Sanders. My, my, I should know how to say that by now. Myja Sanders, the edge rusher from Cincinnati. That Cincinnati defense is fun, man. Anyone from that defense is going to be a, a fun pick or a guy that you, you feel good about. Um, you know, there's actually a, a safety later in the class. You talk about a deep safety class. Brian Cook could be another option at safety. But you talk about Sanders. You talk about a guy that's kind of experienced. Obviously, I, you know, I mentioned he. a lot of people thought he'd go last year. And honestly, he, I, I don't think anyone thought he would have been at the bottom of the second round last year. I think he would have been closer to the first round. So maybe his draft stock slipped a little bit, but Rocky, what do you feel about grabbing, uh, you know, this guy? He, he seems to be kind of pro-ready to me. I, I would probably say that about Sanders. Oh, I think he's 100% pro-ready. Um, my guy is my guy, man. I, <laughs> my if, guy is my guy. Okay, I love it. If you uh, look at the wide, at the edge rushers that are outside of that top seven range, you know, that, that those kind of slam dunk first-round guys uh, – once you get beyond that, he's heads and tails the best remaining guy. Um, beyond Cameron Thomas, I don't think there's a better edge prospect than than Sanders. He's got the length that you want. He's got great bend off the edge. Um, he's got he's not the strongest guy, but for his size, he has really good functional strength. Um, and, he, and he gets your hands his hands on the tackle. He can he can thump him a bit um, for his big for because he's a pretty slender you know edge rusher, but he's strong. Yeah. Um, and he's got a great inside move as, as well as outside move he sets up the pass rush well he's got a good plan i like you said i think he's just pro ready he's not a guy that's going to be coming in raw 
he was the best pass rusher on arguably the second best defense in the nation last year. Yeah, he does seem like a guy that, you know, I, I feel like he's a high floor guy. I feel like I kind of said the same thing about, um, you know, when we talked earlier about some guys that you could take in the first round, but just kind of a high floor guy. Well, yeah, hey, maybe he's not going to be like the, you know, 15 sack guy that you, you obviously want when you're drafting an edge rusher or just a pass rusher, but he might be a guy that just gives you quality snaps, a lot of quality snaps, a versatile pass rusher. I do think he's he's pretty good at stunts, like moving to the inside and in and, and, and certain situations. Kind of just a, 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 an all-around guy, and that's the kind of guy Spags likes, obviously, in his pass rush group. But there were a couple other names in, in, in terms of pass rushers that went – a little past him that I was, I was intrigued about. Um, you know, the he seems to be the hot name now, Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State. Um, I, I want your thoughts on him, but the other one too was Boye Mafe, the edge rusher from Minnesota. Um, those two, I feel like a little, maybe a little smaller guys, right? They're maybe not the the biggest guys. I don't think Sanders is the biggest guy either, but I think they have a little bit smaller frames than Sanders does. But they do have some juice. Did you consider those guys at all for that pick? I did, and they do have some juice. Um, but I think the thing that sets Sanders apart from the rest of this tier in my eyes is that when you watch the tape, these guys, these other guys win through effort and you know maybe some good technique or strength, but Sanders just beats his guy. Like you see, you watch the tape, and there's multiple times where Sanders just beats the tackle to the outside, or he beats them on the inside, where it's just there's not even a question about the rep that he just dominates that rep and now does he need to dominate those reps a little bit more often probably but when you watch the tape he's the guy that's left that has those reps that you see from the top tier guys like um hutchinson and thibodeau you know what i mean like you know yeah. like those guys do it consistently he doesn't do it quite as consistently but he's the guy that's left that still does it you know what i mean yeah yeah no i i agree with that honestly and i think like I kind of said, the Cincinnati defense, you know, it, it could get underrated a little bit because of the conference they play in, obviously, and they, they don't play, you know, they're not playing SEC schools every week. But, man, there's a reason they were that good these last couple of years. It's because they have a very talented player, especially on that defense. It's kind of been their their calling card. And Sanders has been the leader in that pass rush group, man. He, he really is an exciting player. You know, let's let's move back in time a little bit, though, to that first pick. If you were to go someone not receiver, let's say you go safety, let's say you you know maybe there is an edge rusher. Not in this case, we didn't get an edge rusher we really like that fell to us. But if there was one, one receiver I really like at sixty two that didn't go uh, before was Georgia receiver Georgia uh, George Pickens. I mean that guy. I he's he's a guy that obviously is going to be a little underrated just because of his injury um, injury history. You know, last summer he actually tore his ACL or last spring I should say came back for the last few games of this season, made some big plays on their way to the national championship. But he really came on the scene his freshman year, right? He was a, he was a huge stud. He led the team in receiving all receiving categories as a true freshman. And, and one thing I do think that's kind of maybe preventing him from regaining that stock that he had as a, as a true freshman is the offense he played in, man. He, he didn't play with an elite quarterback. He didn't play with anything close to an elite quarterback in college football um, in Georgia. I mean, they, they won a national championship because of a lot of other things, but it, it wasn't really the quarterback. And I do think that could help his stock, you know, lower and allow him to be, you know, a guy, at, you know, in the, the bottom of the second round. Now that you're in this situation, Rocky, obviously you didn't know how, how it would work out when you're making that first pick. With retrospect, would you think about going another route with that first pick just because, you know, if you know you have George Pickens at 62? 
Um, yeah, a hundred percent. If I tell you what, in most drafts that I've done, I've done probably a hundred mock drafts uh, leading up <laughs> to this one that I did live and playing out different scenarios. And in the mock drafts where it falls that they're that we're able to take an edge rusher in the first round, uh, I'd say ninety percent of the time the second round pick is George Pickens. Um, nice. I think. I think if we don't take a wide receiver in the first round, then second round, George Pickens is the only guy that makes sense as a wide receiver in the second round if he's there. Um, other than that, you might as well wait to the third round and beyond. And then if you wait that long, then you're missing out, which is why I think it is important to take a wide receiver early. Yeah. Uh, but if you can get George Pickens in the second round and one of the top you know, seven or eight edge rushers in the first then I think you hit a home run right there. You could almost put a bow on the rest of the draft and be happy walking away, you know, with those two picks. Yeah, it does. It does seem like there's always a receiver in the second. It's it's usually the second round, I would say that, you know, for whatever reason, uh, it feels like, you know, some people really like him, some people, and, and then the NFL kind of devalues him a little bit. You know, DK Metcalf obviously comes to mind. Um, you know, it could be that situation with George Pickens where, you know, two years ago, I think he was a lot of people's wide receiver one coming into this class. And so at some point you got to consider like, did he really change? Did he really lose that much? Or is he, is he still have the potential to be a wide receiver one? And you're taking that in the second round all day, every day, a few other options at 62 that I just noted because I, I've just, I've, I've noticed them recently in my studying and I know they fit a little bit with Maybe the offense. I think Martin Emerson, the cornerback from Mississippi State, he's kind of a lengthier, bigger cornerback. You know, that obviously is what the Chiefs have wanted at cornerback recently. He could have been a pick, although I do agree Sanders is the pick over him. And then just because I, I, I've i noticed PFF's kind of been hyping him up, and he's kind of an exciting player. Sky Moore, the wide receiver from Western Michigan. He, he You know, he's not the biggest guy, which is, is probably why he may not be a target for the Chiefs. You know, he, he does kind of fit more. Of the Z, which they already have in McColl and Tyreek. Although, hey, you do have to think about in the future, not just this year, obviously. But Sky Moore, I don't know. He makes a lot of plays. He he doesn't play like he's 5'11", 5'10". I mean, he he jumps out the building. He he's jumping over guys. Um, yeah, I, I think he's kind of an exciting player. Uh, you know, is, are there any other guys from that kind of range that you're considering there, or uh, you know, or any receivers, any any offensive weapons, any like running backs or tight ends you're thinking about right now? I don't I don't think so, but. I'm just asking, Rocky. So not not in the second round, really. Um, you know, I really am kind of honing in on either Pickens or or an edge rusher at that point. Yeah. Uh, one guy, one guy who I think is underrated, but I think the second round is too high to take him is James Cook out of Georgia. Um, oh yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of people, you know, he's Dalvin Cook's little brother. He moves a lot like his older brother. Um, one of the knocks on him is he isn't the biggest guy, kind of like you said, but he's five pounds lighter than Jamal Charles was coming in the league. I mean, so, and yeah. I think that worked. I think we all agree that worked out pretty well. He's a similar <laughs> upright runner running style. Um, I think that he's, he's electric with the ball in his hands. He can catch it. He can run with it. You could probably even put him in the slot a little bit. Uh, I think he's a versatile weapon. You can move around. And so um, I wasn't looking at him at 62, but third, fourth round, if he's there, I would, I think he's a big swing that you could take. Yeah, I I like that call because I do think he might have a little bit more of that, a little bit more of that long speed, um, that kind of big playability, maybe more than some of the other running backs in this class do. And if there's one thing we've all been calling for for this running back group in Kansas City to have a little bit more of is it it is that explosion, that big play, take advantage of the offensive line, blowing open holes for you. 
so yeah I, I i like that and and hey he he might be a day three pick according to you know how some of these mocks are rolling out um so that might be a little bit of a steal but we are going into the third round here chiefs pick again at number 94 and this is where you address the secondary you went marcus jones cornerback from houston you know i, I didn't know much about this guy when i first saw your pick but i've looked into him uh since then obviously and Man, he's, he's an exciting little playmaker, isn't he, Rocky? Tell us a little bit more about Marcus Jones. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys who plays a lot bigger than he is. He's only about 5'10", um, but he's got a great vertical. He's strong for a guy his size. Um, he may be relegated to the slot in the NFL, but with Fitton and Snead on the outside, I think it's something that's something that might work out. Um, but, you know, it's one of those guys where – you know, if don't underestimate him because he he played press man coverage okay when he was in college. You know, he can also play in the zone. He's got great ball skills, and he's an electric athlete. I mean, he he was a kick returner as well. You know, from out of, he's played out of Houston. Sorry, I didn't re- mention his college. You know, he played at Houston. Uh, he was their kick and punt returner. He's he's just a guy when you watch the tape, he pops. Like you watch some guys, and you're like, okay, this guy's good. I see the fundamentals. He's a good player, but. With Marcus Jones, he just pops, you know, off the off the tape. Yeah, you know, he he played traditional cornerback at Houston at his size, which, you know, uh, you know, tri- you know, on the face value of it, we know that Spags kind of prefers bigger corners, but I don't think it's necessarily, you know, I don't think he has a bias for the size of it. It's about how they play, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I think he might have the requisite, you know, the kind of physical ability. I think DiCaprio Boodle is another example, actually, a guy that you know obviously made, you know got to stick around last year as an undrafted guy. You know, he he played a lot of corner and he's and he is transitioning to be more of a slot guy, which I could see Jones potentially being, you know, more of a slot guy, more of a maybe a a box safety type in the dime defense, you know, replacing what that what Sorensen does for you. Um but all that to say, yeah, I, I think he has the requisite kind of aggressiveness, physicality, even if he is a little bit smaller of a dude. Um he has that and that's what Spags wants from his from his defenders. I know we just lost Sam Madison as a defensive backs coach, but I think Spag still values that. Um, but we had a, the other couple of guys I, I saw around that mark that, you know, hey, I, I wouldn't have minded picking there. Although, you know, I say Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver from South Alabama. Obviously, you know, I, I probably wouldn't take two wide receivers um, in the top 100 just because I don't think you need to do that. But he's, he is a guy that's pretty intriguing. He, he's a, you know, his physical profile makes sense. He's a bigger dude. I'm obviously from a small school, but, you know, take a chance on him at, you know, the bottom of the third round. And then Sam Williams, the Ole Miss edge, you mentioned him earlier. He's, he's a, he's a, he fits exactly what they want from edge. And so I, in my limited, you know, I'm looking more of the first, second round guys, you know, I don't know as many third, fourth round guys right now, but Sam Williams, definitely a guy I know about um, at that position. Either of those two guys interest your Rocky, or are there any other options around that, that, that you kind of like? Yeah, you know, Jalen Tolbert, I think that he's a great pick. And if you can get him in the third round or the fourth round, I think Jalen Tolbert's a great value. I think he's he is that traditional big X receiver as well, who has a really wide catch radius. Um, and you know, he played against less lesser competition, but he dominated that lesser competition, and that's what you want to see out of a guy from a smaller school. Uh, with Sam Williams, he's one of those you know, the senior bowl, he was a senior bowl superstar. Um, they said that him and Jermaine Johnson were the two best showings at edge at the senior bowl and they, and that they really improved their draft stock. I think there was a lot of people who didn't necessarily know who Sam Williams was 
prior yeah. to going to the senior bowl. And then he just put up rep after rep after rep of quality work um, and impressed the coaches. Everything you heard about Sam Williams was, was great um, coming out of there. Um, another guy who was interesting to me um, that I had going not to the chiefs, but later on in the, in the same round was Troy Anderson out of Montana state. Ooh. This is a guy who's only played linebacker for one season. And prior to that, he was a running back and quarterback for Montana state. Um, he's oh, about wow. six, two, six, three, um, two fifty packs a wall up, very athletic diagnoses the play. Well, still learning the position though. Um, I ended up sending him to Los Angeles though, at the last pick in the third round, cause they're losing so many guys that I figured they needed his versatility, you know? Yeah. Um, but, no, no. uh, but he's a guy who I find really interesting and really intriguing. Yeah, no, hey, I I did not realize he made that position change. Those are the kind of guys you do you do it is good to know that kind of stuff because that's some of the reason why they don't go high, right? I mean, if that guy maybe plays linebacker his entire college career, you know, maybe he has more chance to put on tape that he is an NFL, you know, he's a he's a higher pick. Uh although going going that high as from a Montana state, I guess you're in a pretty good spot, I would say. Um he's pro- he's been impressive apparently. But with your last pick in this three-round mock, and the Chiefs obviously have two third-round picks this year, at 102, you address the linebacker position, which, you know, this is going to be the third straight year uh, in your world, third straight year that the Chiefs pick, you know, uh, close to top 100, so 102, but top 100 pick on a linebacker. This time they're doing Channing Tindall, linebacker from Georgia. Obviously, anyone from that Georgia defense is probably going to be a good pick, kind of the same way you think about the Cincinnati defense, but... The Georgia, Georgia has two other linebackers that are going to go ahead of him, but what about Tyndall is, is exciting or what could make him maybe, you know, uh, just as good as the other three or the other two maybe? He is, so the thing that he doesn't have that the other two have is a little bit of size. He's, he's a little bit leaner yeah. linebacker, um, but he's he's fast, man. He's He flies around the field and he doesn't, even though he's a, he's a smaller, lighter linebacker, he throws his whole body into everything he does. Um, he looks and plays a lot like Quan Alexander. Um, I think that'd be a, a comp that I have for him. Um, and that's a player who early in his career had a, a lot of success. If you allow him to be that linebacker that kind of runs sideline to sideline, you can use him in coverage. Um, mainly I selected him because with this with this pick, we're basically ensuring that Ben Neiman never steps on the field again in a Chiefs <laughs> uniform which I think we can all decide is a win and worth and worth a late third round pick to ensure that. But, but honestly, if you have this pick, you look at it and you have probably one of the youngest, most, most athletic um, linebacking course that you have locked up for the, for the foreseeable future, you know, with Gabe Bolton and Tyndall. I mean, that right there is a solid core that, it, that, that can grow and develop and, you know, moving forward, you know, and they're kind of, tiered a year at a time so that they can kind of help each other out and, you know, kind of mentor each other along the way and bring each other along as well. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, no, that's a great call. Uh, we know Spags wants to have a specific linebacker for that Neiman role, that dime linebacker that comes in. A lot of times it's on third down or just whenever you know the offense goes into a pretty light personnel. And it's always been Ben Neiman. And, you know, we want to maybe predict that Willie Gay could take over that role. But Spags really does like to have an individual guy, a guy that only plays that role and is not doing anything else, it seems like. And so Channing Tindall, he has the athletic profile to to be that dime linebacker where, you know, I, I, I think one thing about Neiman they probably liked was maybe, you know, his experience in the system maybe. Although he's been, I guess I shouldn't say that. I mean, he's been the dime linebacker since he freaking first got here, it seems like. But... Um, it is interesting if they want to trust a rookie to do that, or, uh, if they just maybe want to see if, you know, see if he can kind of develop into that and maybe give gay the opportunity to do that first. I, I, I do. I am really curious how they handle the linebacker position this, this year, this off season, whether they maybe even get a veteran or something in free agency to kind of be that third linebacker, but good stuff, Rocky. That is four picks. We'll recap them real quick. Drake London at 30 wide receiver from USC, the big, the big target, the big name. My Jay Sanders. Why can't I say that? My Jay Sanders, the edge rusher from Cincinnati. I literally, I, I've been following him for a couple of years. I feel like I should know his name. Uh, Marcus Jones, cornerback from Houston, number 94. And then 102, Channing Tindall, the linebacker from Georgia. Three defensive picks, and then, then one offensive pick at receiver. The only thing, Rocky, before we move on, that I will say is not addressing the safety position, you know, with one of these picks. Could be something that I, I might have a beef with, but I will say we kind of talked about with Marcus Jones. He kind of maybe can be that versatile where he's more, you know, he's more both, right? Safety and corner. But um, do you feel any regret not getting a, a, a bigger name safety? Or like you mentioned with the, the deep safety group, do you still feel good that we can find a quality safety uh, moving forward? Listen, every mock draft that I've that I've done in the fourth round is kind of the sweet spot. Um, if I would have done a seven-round mock draft or even a four-round mock draft, you would have seen a safety being picked in the fourth round. I think that is the round to select a safety. You have um, you have Brian Cook there in most instances. You have Leon O'Neill Jr. out of Texas A&M there in most instances. You have Smoke Monday available who is just great name and i mean the guy hits the guy the guy was just born to hit you know and then you have bubba bolden out of miami a guy who who really may have been a a first second round type of guy if he hadn't derailed his own college career by getting in trouble um over at usc so i mean these are all guys that are kind of like that blue chip like talent that are just kind of still working on putting it all together, but you see it. And, and Brian cook, especially um, out of Cincinnati, he was really the heart and soul of that secondary. And he, you know, big plays and big games, even when they got, when they got beat by Alabama, you know, he's the guy who comes up with the interception. Um, That's like, I mean, I see Brian cooks 
name and I just get stars in my eyes and stuff. He's there <laughs> in the fourth round. I mean, I think that that you, that you run the ticket to the front, you know. So I think fourth round is is your safety round. And this is exactly why you have to play these these mock drafts out, see where players are going, right? I mean, this this affects draft strategy. This is something that the Chiefs are looking at too. Do we do we need to take a swing at safety early if we like these guys that we know can be their third or fourth round? Yeah, I like Brian Cook too. You mentioned some good names, so uh, want to make sure I shout out talent he he put together a top 10 safety ranking so if you're listening and you want to get a little more uh, written word on the top 10 safeties in this class featuring guys like Bubba Bolden and other names you mentioned go to the site check that out but we're going to get off a little Chiefs uh, Chief centric uh, for this mock draft you picked for every team and you made decisions for every team so now you have to justify those decisions on this podcast um, a few that stood out to me in this three-round mock you had and I, I honestly just looked at the first round um, it, it gets probably pretty hard in terms of, you know, a second and third round when you're picking for other teams. Um, first round, though, I, the first thing that stood out to me, and, and, I, and I want your opinion on this, how much this matters just as in general, but the fact that I, I think of Aiden Hutchinson's there at number two for Detroit, like how can you not pull the trigger just because he's a Michigan kid, the local kind of thing, the marketing that could come from that. I, I, I know it's not a football, you know, way to look at it, but I just, in my head, I keep thinking like, if you're the Lions, like you, you could maybe think someone's better, but like it almost just seems like such a safe pick to just bring home that guy, the hometown guy. He's he's obviously going to be a, a solid player. I mean, he's he's a you know he's a freak athlete for his size and physique. But uh, Rocky, what did you think? You took Cave on. Th- I, sh- I should have said this. You took Cave on Thibodeau instead of Aiden Hutchinson at two. Uh, what's your thoughts on on taking Thibodeau over Hutchinson? Listen, you know it's a better story than having the hometown guy having a dominant defense and winning football games. <laughs> yes. Um, and if I if I'm the Detroit Lions, I'm taking the guy who I think is best there. And listen, Aiden Hutchinson is he's an elite player. I think that when it comes to edge, that Thibodeau and Hutchinson are one A and one B, but Thibodeau has a little bit more explosiveness and he has a little bit more more bend. You know, Hutchinson has a little bit more raw power. But I, you, you watch it, and there's just that extra spark to Thibodeau's game that Hutchinson doesn't have. They both do everything well, and really, and, but there's just a couple things that that Thibodeau's special at, you know. And, and, and part of that is that bend. He's the most bendy guy I've seen on the edge in a while. Like he just gets around that edge so quick, and he's so long that there's just no way the quarterback has a chance to get away from him. Yeah, it does seem like they're they're both pretty safe prop. Like I, I can't see both of them like completely busting. Um, but it does seem like Thibodeau might just have that little bit extra, more room to grow where he can really truly become a transcendent player. Hutchinson might just always be a, a great player or, you know, a very good player. Um, that, that could be the case, but I, if I'm Detroit, man, I don't know if, if, if it's really close, man, I, I, I think you, uh, you appeal to, to maybe the fan base a little bit. I know that's ownership talk. I don't like talking like an owner, but it's just something that struck me. It, it, it kind of, it would make sense to me. Well, um, you know, and here's the thing is prior to around new year's Thibodeau was the consensus first pick yeah. in the draft. Like everybody was Thibodeau, Thibodeau, Thibodeau. And then somewhere around new year's, things started to switch a little bit in people's minds and they started like to start putting Hutchinson ahead of him. And I think it is that narrative is the reason why, but you know, for this, for this exercise, I tried to go with the best player available for the team 
fandom aside, which is why a lot of these teams got players that I wanted for the Chiefs. Right. And there was that temptation there to say, oh, well, I'm not going to give this team an edge because I want that edge to be available when Kansas City picks. But that wouldn't have been that that would have been a disservice to the listeners. Exactly. And that would have been dishonest. And I'm not about dishonesty in my mock drafts. No, you are not, Rocky. You bring the truth, you bring the facts. Um, yeah, no, it, you're right. Thibodeau was the consensus number one. He's probably minus money if you're talking betting odds wise, uh, going into the 2021 season. Um, you gotta consider that kind of stuff because guys like that sometimes it's just hard for them to replicate that same, you know, production the next year after they they prove themselves to be a number one type of player. Um, it's hard to match that production just because, you know, other teams are just going to completely, you know, focus on you, blocking you, um, you know, focus their game plan around going around you. So, you know, it is interesting. It is good to kind of realize and remember, you know, which guys were always in that process or which guys were always in high regard like Thibodeau has been. But another one I want to point out later in the top 10, you went number nine overall. Kenny Pickett to the Denver Broncos. Simply put, Rocky, I just want to ask you, should we be worried that the, you know, is this a guy that Chiefs fans should be worried about or will we kind of be snickering to ourselves uh, when Denver picks that, uh, picks this at number nine? You know, it's, I'm not sure. I've watched quite a bit of tape on him. And so if there's, if there's a team that's a quarterback away, it's Denver, you know, right. He's the, you know, they they need a quarterback. If they're not able to work out some miraculous trade to bring in a veteran, uh, they're going to just continue to be middling. And it's going to be a crime against humanity to waste the wide receivers that they have. They have an amazing wide, rec- wide receiver room. Yeah. I think that I think that if the, any Chiefs fan would want, you know, you know, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, you know, KJ Hamler, like those guys are all quality guys, you know? Um, and so with Kenny Pickett, he's got he's got real lively legs, you know, he can move around a lot, he's got great pocket presence. Um, he fits in with the AFC model of quarterback that can kind of move around and throw on the run. Um, I'd say the weakness to his game is that he doesn't have elite arm strength, but neither does Joe Burrow. Um, right. and as much as we don't want to talk about Joe Burrow right now, he had success this year. Um, I will say one thing for Kenny Pickett that really impressed me is that there is a lot of air under his deep balls, but he has really good touch and really good placement on them. Um, Really be able to get the ball out deep before NFL level defensive backs get there, right? Will he be able to get the ball to the receiver in time? We'll see. But if it does get there, it's a very, very catchable ball. Like it's really nicely thrown. Those are the kind of quarterbacks that really take advantage of having such a good receiving core, right? They can really excel because the receivers make them look better as long as they're good at anticipation, you know, obviously, you know, timing up the routes and everything, which is something it's tough to do for a first round or a first year player and Kenny Pickett. But it is interesting because, you know, I think a lot of people are just assuming they're going to get Rodgers and we're hoping that's not the case. Um, And if they don't, we might see a rookie quarterback in Denver next year, like Kenny Pickett. But I want to look at another AFC West pick. You had the Chargers at 17 bolster their pass protection for Justin Herbert and get Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. Now, if there's anyone in this class or at the top of the class, at least that really has pass blocking experience, it's Charles Cross, obviously that Mike Leach offense. And with the Chargers already having Rashawn Slater, I think this might be this is not a fun pick if you're a Chiefs fan because I think this could turn into a really, really good offensive tackle duo 
Rocky, how'd you feel about giving them Charles Cross? Not good, Ron. Not yeah. good at all. This is one of those times as a Chiefs fan where I didn't want to do it. Um, Charles Cross, you know, he simply put, he is a great offensive tackle. I was, I mean, the more I watch on him, the more impressed I am with him. One thing you see with Charles Cross that you don't necessarily see with a lot of um, college tackle prospects, you'll see a lot of college tackle prospects when they have an edge rusher coming at them, they kind of divert them around the edge of the pocket, right? Charles Cross just keeps the guy in front of him, just keeps on pushing him back. Like the guy tries to spin move in, he pushes him back. The guy tries to go around the edge, he catches him, pushes him back. Um, you're not surprising Charles Cr- Cross with your pass rush. Um, he's a he's a big dude. He, he will pancake you. He plays with that nasty streak. I think that if the Chargers do get Charles Cross – that Justin Herbert, you know, will sleep very, very soundly at night because I don't think there'll be a better young tackle duo in the NFL. Like, like the Chargers will be set, you know, for years to come. Yeah, and they have center Corey Lindsley, you know, signed to a big deal. So their offensive line all of a sudden gets, you know, looks a lot better. Um, yeah, you know, the only thing we can bank on as Chiefs fans is that, you know, this offensive tackle class kind of everything gets pushed up because maybe they all look so good. You know, maybe he doesn't last to 17, but it's definitely possible. I could, I could definitely see NFL teams maybe, you know, uh, maybe not undervaluing. I guess I'm trying to say just in terms of like him pass protecting so much, maybe saying, oh, well, he doesn't have a lot of experience in a true NFL offense where you run the ball, blah, 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 that kind of thing. I could see, I could see NFL teams maybe overthinking it, but a smart team will realize that a, a guy that is, is experienced in pass protection is, is probably honestly, you know, maybe more impressive or maybe more important than some of the other offensive tackles in this class. I mean, you know, uh, you know, guys like Icky Anunwu and, and Evan Neal might be a little more, you know, they might need a little more work as a pa- as, as pass protectors, even though they're more dominant, just overall players as offensive linemen. So well, it's, in, it's interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. And you know, one thing that's really kind of, um, kind of I think driving down Charles Cross and maybe some of the other offensive tackles is that there's a lot of edge needy teams in the first half of this draft, which yeah. is hurting the chiefs, which when I was looking at the, doing this mock draft, uh, the reason why we didn't get an edge rusher in the first round was because there's so many edge needy teams, you know, yeah. in the top 20. And it just, it just, it, it sapped up the edge rushers and it pushed down the office of tackles. Yeah, and and it's just natural every year that teams know if you want to pass rush, you have to pick them early. You know, if you want a legit guy, it's it's very that's one position. It's very rare, you know, you get an All Pro or Pro Bowl type of guy later in the draft. It's usually a first round pick, more than most positions. But let's move on to the Raiders pick, which this is another interesting one. Another receiver off the board potentially for the Chiefs. You had them getting Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama. Obviously, you know, dealing with an injury right now, but he will be, uh, you know, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say he will be an effective contributor to an NFL offense once he's healthy again. Alabama receiver seems to never, I mean, do Alabama receivers bust? I can't, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I couldn't think of one that truly was just not good. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, I guess Henry Ruggs, if you count that, but uh, Jamison Williams to the Raiders, I guess they're going back to that. Well, I just thought about that. Uh, what did you think about uh, signing him to Las Vegas? Listen, Las Vegas likes to swing on 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 upside, right? Like we know this about the Raiders. They'll they'll take a shot on a guy that has upside, and I don't think there's a guy with more upside um, 
at wide receiver than Jamison Williams. He's 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 an elite athlete. He can go up and get the ball. Um, it's interesting though. He is one of those guys where after he got injured, his stock rose dramatically. He was he was he was being mocked around the fifty to fifty two range, and then he gets hurt, and then now he's all the way up in like the teens and the or the twenties. You know, he's going in consensus first round. Um, but I mean, I think he belongs there. Um, yeah. honestly, you know, so it does, it's not shocking, but it's, it's, it was just interesting as you start to look at the, at where he was going versus where he is now. Um, but I think that, you know, it's, it's, I think this is actually a pick that might work out for the Raiders. Um, but it won't work out for Jameson Williams because he still has Derek Carr throwing him the ball. Um, <laughs> and so he'll be one of those guys where he's an elite yeah. talent that just puts up okay numbers because uh, he has a okay quarterback throwing him the football. You're not worried about the Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr duo, Rocky. You're not worried about that coming to the AFC West and not not put not keeping you up at night. I wasn't worried about Josh McDaniels the last time he was in the AFC West, and I'm not losing a wink of sleep over Josh McDaniels <laughs> being in the AFC West now. I think Josh McDaniels is probably the most overhyped coach not named Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I I, I think there's probably some merit to that, um, considering. You know, a lot of his career, he's he, playing with Tom Brady. I mean, come on. I mean, at some point, I don't know how much offensively, you know, uh, you're making the calls and stuff. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. But he's, he's getting help. He's getting help getting Jameson Williams. And, you know, I, I want to talk about Garrett Wilson, too. But, you know, I, I want to ask you this question before we get out of here, Rocky. It's always fun to imagine. We've seen Brett Veach, obviously, trade up in the draft. Well, not him, I guess. It was John Dorsey trade up in the draft. Go get Patrick Mahomes. If there was a player that you, you know, maybe top 10, top 15-ish player that you really, really, really were like, hey, I don't care what it takes. Obviously, to an extent, you know, you're not going to just give away everything, but I'm going to go get this player right now. If we have to give up a second and a third round pick, screw it, let's do it. Is there a player in this draft that you really feel strongly that if, if, if the Chiefs were able to somehow trade up and get him, that they would not regret it uh, whatsoever? Yeah, I think Jermaine Johnson – um, out of Florida State is that guy for me. Um, I think that he's he's going in the in the teens and twenties in most mock drafts. So you probably could realistically maybe move up to get him from where you're at. I, I mean, I obviously Thibodeau. You're like, oh, who do you want, Thibodeau? Okay, of course I want Thibodeau, but that's right. That's that's not going to happen. I think Jermaine Johnson is a realistic target that you could go up and get. Um, who I think that if you do, he's a, he has the ability to be one of those transcendent players um, off the edge. Other, other than that, I also, I mean, I really like Cameron Thomas. Like I said, you know, you, you might not have to move up quite as far to get him um, if he doesn't fall to you. Um, if there is a run on edge rushers, he's kind of the last of that top tier that I have. So maybe you only have to move up a spot or two um, outside of edge. You know, you mentioned it a little bit before. Um, I really like Traylon Burks. Uh, I think that he's, I think that he's, you know, he is like DK Metcalf and some of these other big wide receivers already in the league. Um, and one guy that, that doesn't get too much play, um, that isn't even necessarily a main need, but if they moved up to get him just because I love him so much, is Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. I love Sauce Gardner. His entire college career, he didn't give up a single touchdown. In his entire college career, we're talking bowl games. We're talking against Alabama. The man, the man is long. 
He's fast. He's he's got an attitude. He's sassy as all get out. And the man just plays with a swag and he dominates. And I love him. I mean, his name's Sauce Gardner. I mean, that's all you need yeah. to say uh, in, tar- in terms of swag. That was funny. That's actually the name that I kind of uh, came up with in my head, too, when I'm trying to answer this question. But also Jermaine Johnson. So you kind of took both of mine. But that just means we're two great minds think alike. Because, uh, yeah, Jermaine Johnson, I mean, just the way he looked at the senior bowl, I mean, that, it's kind of hard to, to you know, kind of undersell that. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, it's hard to undersell it because, I mean, it was it was very impressive. Um, I have, I, what, from what I see, I mean, yeah, he's top 15 in three different mocks that I've looked at recently. Uh, you know, a month ago, obviously he was a guy that the chiefs could have got first or maybe even, you know, second in some scenarios. I like the trail on Burke's thought too. I do think he could be, he could be a really special weapon with the chiefs. I think like specifically he's one of those guys that I do feel like another team could not utilize him correctly, but I feel like the chiefs. He could be, you know, a versatile option where he's all over the offense. Sometimes he's running jet sweep. Sometimes he's running deep, you know, catching a ball over a guy. Um, I just do think that would be more developmental. But honestly, I'm willing to take the risk on. I'm willing I'm willing to, you know, uh, take the jump. I think the Chiefs develop wide receivers pretty well for the most part. Um, obviously, McColl, I guess, is is not the greatest example. I don't think that's really on them. But, yeah, uh, you know, uh, any other positions, any other thoughts on on your mock draft, any other notes you had before we get out of here that uh, you want to, you know, kind of get your takes off here on the mock draft show? Yeah, um, if the Chiefs were to ever go offensive tackle in this draft um, in the first round at 30 without having to trade up, I think that Daniel Falele, I think, I think I'm <laughs> pronouncing that correctly. That's yeah, my guy. So. I like – I like these big, big monster human beings. You know, I like these, you know, other than that, I also, um, I like Jordan Davis out of Georgia too. I just <laughs> want these guys that are abnormally large human beings and really athletic for their size. And then just unleash them just to create havoc on the other team. Yeah. You know, to, to, to add on to that, uh, Devonte Wyatt, he's not, a, he's not the, the big guy you just mentioned, Jordan Davis. And it made me re- remind myself to, to mention that Devontae Wyatt is going to be a guy I think that's that's a disruptor, mm-hmm. just a, a force in the NFL. I'm surprised he's as lowly rated. I don't know. I, I think he's the clear best interior rusher there is in the class. But, you know, I know there's some dispute with that. DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M might have, you know, might have some people's attention a little more maybe. But, uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, Jordan Davis, uh, you know, obviously I guess gets that cake. I just, you know, I, I just value pass rush so much more. And I do think – Jordan Davis, as dominant as he is, just in the middle, I don't think it gives you much, uh, you know, in the way of a third down guy getting after the quarterback. Unfortunately, Devontae Wyatt definitely can. But if if we had a Jordan Davis on our team, it would be very very fun because he he is just a monster among uh, humans. Daniel Falele too. I mean, that's just like how is that guy real? I mean, he's literally like six what six eight like three eighty or something. Um, I think six seven maybe. Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. I saw a rumor that said that he may actually weigh in at four hundred. <laughs> I mean, why not, dude? If you're yeah. at this point, at least, might as well. If I mean, obviously in a healthy manner, get put those put that weight on and shoot, man. I mean, teams are gonna just be fawning over that just because even if I don't know, I even if he doesn't have, even if he's not like a starting offensive tackle right away or anything, someone will use him just in in you know short yardage runs or you know just like extra that six offensive lineman in certain packages. Yeah. He's going to be a, a mauler, man. Um, 
yeah well this was the draft talk show it was fun talking draft with you rocky uh make sure you check out rocky's twitter he, he explains all of his, his three-round mock in a, in a thread and obviously he's, he's putting out a bunch of cool stuff other stuff too obviously rocky's world always a must read uh on it seems like fridays is when they drop usually um yeah rocky appreciate you coming on uh you know just tell the people i guess if there's anything else they can expect from you or just tell them what the, what you want to tell them, Rocky. Yeah, man. Tune into these Rockies World articles um, on Fridays. We're, we're doing them a little bit different than than other than your traditional article, trying to make them fun. Um, and then there will be another mock draft before before um, the draft happens. I'm gonna try to do at least a version 1.2 and a version 1.3, at, at maybe one after the combine and then one right before the draft after we see some free agency. So stay tuned to those. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll have to have you back on uh, AP Draft Room as well. We're, we're going to, you know, post-free agency, man. A lot of things could change. So we want to kind of reevaluate what we're looking at with the draft when that time comes. And keep checking in with us, uh, listeners. Keep listening to the Airhead Pride Podcast Network. Tune in to the site as well. Make sure you're keeping up with all the news. We got all the news. You know, obviously Pete's, you know, Pete's got everything going well, Pete Sweeney. So, uh, yeah, make sure you keep listening. Make sure you keep following uh, for Ron, for Rocky. Appreciate you listening today, and we will catch you next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.